my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. A business's success can be measured by the strength of its leadership. As you build your army, those leadership skills need to constantly evolve, but often that pathway can be unclear. So today, Tim and Alana sit down to discuss their evolving roles in leadership. They discuss the mistakes they've made, the tough conversation they've had to have, and the quickest ways they have found to empower and grow their teams, ensuring the entire army is marching to the beat of just one drum. It's a really great episode. Hope you enjoy. One of the really exciting things about growing a company is your evolution as a leader. And we see it a lot with companies that we help to scale. If it's somebody who started their company and they've self-funded it, they've got to relearn that the only way to grow a business or to get substantial scale is to grow people, is to build an army behind you. And Lana and Nigel, we've seen this countless times as well as experiencing it in our own business that the evolution of your job as an owner that wants to grow a company has to come down to your ability to grow people and recruit people, excite people, motivate people. But frankly, if you don't have that skill, your business is going nowhere. So Lana, we've learned this ourselves because we've self-funded all of our businesses up until this point. Actually, that's a lie. I should say that. We've had periods of investment in different businesses, but we've started it off our own bat. And one of the things we had to learn pretty quickly was how do we bring in the right talent to do a job better than we're doing because it's the only way to grow and grow consistently is by not having the full responsibility of what needs to happen in an area of your business on you. Yeah, and it's the people above and below if you're looking at hierarchy is it's not just bringing people to do the tactile stuff. It's also bringing in people at a board level or bringing in managers who can sit above certain people, they're the ones that really make that difference to growth in the business because they know stuff that you don't know. Yeah. So if you're a self-funded SME sitting out there listening going, you've got ambition to grow your company, what you need to probably start considering is your role in the company and your role being the role in leadership you're going to play. And when Lana talks about things like hierarchy, we could probably talk about when you sacked me, Lana, that would be a good place to start in hierarchy because It moved our transition from a husband and wife team at the time to we want to grow an organization. Now, just because we were owners of the business didn't mean that at that time I fit the organization, which was subsequently why you sacked me. But it's more around what is it that you need to do during your transition. So as I'll I'll quickly go back, if you're an SME listening to this right now and you want to grow, you have to look at where you're at right now and think, okay, What does the structure of my business look like tomorrow that's going to be in line with the goals I have for the future? We went through this exercise, didn't we, Lana, which was, okay, we're here now. We've hit a plateau in one of our companies. Where do we want to be tomorrow? And we sketched out that hierarchy. And the problem was my role had to change at the time and so did yours. Yeah, you go through many phases as you build the company. And what often happens is that you do start with the employee that you can afford, which For our case, we could afford each other. Yep, free. Good price. (laughs) Um, And then as we started to grow bigger and we had different roles, different people, new employees, we saw collectively we made the decision together. Your role, while great at the start, was actually no longer conducive to what the company needed. You needed to play a different role for us to be able to grow faster. And that role was not being in the company so much. Yeah, and for those listening got to understand this because you're probably going through a similar thing yourself where my role at the start was in a sales role. I was excited about the business. Everyone I would talk to, I'd be enthusiastic. We naturally got sales from me just talking to people, but I wasn't particularly good at it. It was more an enthusiastic sales process. If I'm in a conversation, my general enthusiasm got people interested in what we're doing and then we sold them, right? But as we started to get bigger, that's not the sales process we needed, not the enthusiasm, but we need more structured sales. So Lana took a very much an operational role at the time where I got put into a traditional sales role in my business, but I'm not really suited to that. That's not where my interests lie. It's not what I'm particularly good at, but it was what we needed at the time. 
what we realized pretty quickly was this is not going to work because A, I've got too many other things on my plate and Lana needed for her company because she took a leadership role as the CEO of that company at the time and needed to get a different result in the sales department. So the decision had to be made of we need to replace Tim in that role. And that's not always easy for people who own a business. It's not always easy for people, even because at that time we had employees, to understand what's their role now. And your job as a leader, if you want to grow your business, is obviously around scaling, around building it. And when we talk about when you lead, you have to be able to scale with good teams. A good team doesn't mean it's a great person. A good team means it's the right person in the right spot. And you were not the right person in the right spot for us to be able to grow. Yeah. And that's why we want to talk about this today because evaluate your business right now and work out where are the points in your business that are a current constraint? What is your biggest constraint right now? So if you've got ambition to grow, why aren't you growing? If the answer is, well, we don't have enough sales, why don't you have enough sales? What are the elements that contribute for you having a lack in that area? And what do you need to do to change it? If the answer is, if I had more time, I would get more sales, great. Why don't you have that relief? Because you're the only person playing an operational role might be one of the reasons. So you need to fix that. All businesses go through a point where they hit a plateau, they have a new set of constraints, they need to deal with those constraints and go on. As a leader, you need to work out, but what does that mean for me at that stage? When do I become redundant or am I the constraint? Most smaller businesses that we come across constantly live in their constraint and don't make the decisions that need to be made to liberate that part of the business. Lana, for us particularly, I think the hardest transitions for us was realizing that when we're not contributing from a technical point of view, our value is still there because that was, I mean, this is years ago when we're learning that, but most people are so used to contributing technically that they don't know any other life. So as soon as they don't contribute technically every day to the delivery of the business, they almost feel like I have no role or there's a problem. In addition to that, I'm very good technically and that's still something that I work on, which is around the leadership stuff. But I also found that I needed to have, I'd say, very close contact with the team, very close relationships. I needed to grow them and mentor them and give them support. Otherwise, I wasn't leading. When in actual fact, if we go back to you know, stages of leadership, that is a very different stage of a very different business. If I was to think that, Personally, I needed to have such close mentoring type roles to the team. I'd never be able to grow a business because there's only a finite amount of time that I can spend doing that mentorship. For some people, it is the technical that they feel that they need to do that. For other people, it's this idea of growing people to the nth degree as opposed to finding the right people, putting them in the right spots, giving them the right tools, and then working with them. And that's a very big distinction for me around. I guess it is leadership and management is how much of yourself do you give? And if something fails or something doesn't work, how much of that do you take on? And it's still a lesson I'm personally learning. Yeah. And as you're listening to this, it seems logical, right? This is what we need to do. This is how we grow the business. But let's look at the practicality around it. And this is the thing that I think most of us as owners need to calibrate at every stage of our business growth, which is What does that mean if I do start doing what these guys are talking about? So let's talk about this. A lot of people get to a stage in their smaller business. Let's say you're a sub 5 million turnover, so small SME. You have finally solidified your business where you're making consistent revenue, you're making consistent profits and you get to a point but you've hit a cap and you're still the leader, you're still the founder, you're still the owner and you have to calibrate, I'm going to make less money for the next 12 months potentially. Because I have to reinvest of changing the whole structure that it's taken so many years to get to. And these are the bits that are the decision points about getting to the next stage in business or the next revenue level or the next scaling level, which is everything I've worked so hard to get to, I now have to potentially take a step backwards because it's the infrastructure to go forward. That's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? But the key to this is. What is my role then? 
So you, first of all, as the owner, you're making a decision that we want to get bigger. Because I think that's the first decision, isn't it, Lana? You have to decide that you want to be a bigger business. This is not a stumble into being bigger and better. People aren't tripping into growth. You might have a good growth period where you feel like you're not doing much and things are just happening, but that'll stop. Dumb luck's for everyone, right? You have to decide, what am I building? And this is, I guess, the difference in performance-focused companies is it's growth with intent, not allowing luck to dictate what we're going to be. And there's a lot in that because most people go, well, I want to grow. And then you go, well, what actions have you take to deliberately grow? Well, I haven't taken any. So why do you think you want to grow then? And this is a big one because as soon as you make a decision that I want to grow a company, the second point is, so what does it look like? And this is what we're talking about, which is the role you now need to play to get to that growth. So you just talked about to grow something, you need a plan. Now, from experience that we've seen, there's a lot of companies that have grown yep. without a plan because some people in the company themselves may not feel like it because more money's coming in, they're feeling better. But what does an unplanned growth trajectory look like and the dangers that sort of come into it from your point of view? Well, you can definitely grow without a plan. It's indisputable that you can grow without a plan. Yep. The issue is, is when am I going to hit the wall? So most people don't realize that they're heading towards a point in their business that's going to be dangerous for them because it's not deliberate. And even when they're growing, they're not calibrating what that growth means and what it needs to be tomorrow. So, Lana, we talk about with the systems and processes, starting to work out why we're growing, trying to work out those factors as opposed to, oh, we'll just keep growing and we'll see what happens. Yeah, growth without a plan also comes back to the leader or the manager or the person at the front. You're capped by what they can do. Whereas growth with a plan comes back to, we've got all the right people in all the right spots. We've got a direction that they're heading. If the skills become capped, either you replace them or you bring someone above them or you use them as you need to use them. But unplanned, as Tim says, it just has a wall that you hit and you don't know that you're going to hit that wall. And it can be in the form of, well, suddenly sales aren't coming in or suddenly clients are dropping off and we don't know why. Whereas a plan and really what we're talking about here is the leadership of a plan. It comes back to, we know exactly where we're heading. We know exactly all the bumps that are going to come along the way. But if we don't know them, we've got the nous and that drive to keep going forward. Whereas without a plan, you hit a roadblock and you pretty much fall apart. So if we're talking in the idea of building an army around you to provide growth, an unplanned one means that your army may be filled with a bunch of generals that can't hold a, a weapon or a tool. So the, the hires and the people that you bring in, is it more reactionary? It's not reactionary, it's phased. Yeah. So what we have to work out is what phase are we in in a business? And this is where obviously the art form comes from of how you best manage that is what are your current resources? So sometimes you can't bring in the right person for the role. You simply can't afford them if you're a self-funded business, which many of the people listening are. How do I bring in the right talent? I can't afford the right talent. So their business is started up with people who are contributing for what the business needs. So that's the first phase. How do we do what needs to be done? And that's the exciting part of a startup too. Everyone's just doing everything. I remember the great stories of big textiles. I was folding the orders and putting them in bags and sending them out or I was doing the coding in my tech business or I was handing out flyers and on the street. That's the excitement of a startup and you miss it, right? But you're filling your business with hybrids and performers that mean well because they're doing whatever it takes, right? Which is the attitude you want in a startup. Whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. Then you start getting to a point where you're getting enough volume in an area of the business where you need someone watching that area and being an expert in that. So we've created a company full of hybrid roles and now we have to unpick them all and we have to work out which roles to unpick first based on what we can afford, what's the business need right now because what are the bits that are obviously falling apart, Lana, which is generally what happens. The biggest constraint is the hardest bit and then rebuilding it at that stage problem is you have to rebuild it a few times. In our first two years in the agency, you had to rebuild the structure, the systems, what, three times in 18 months because 
we outgrew them too quickly. And that, and that's what you want. And I think if we look at this from the point of view of anyone, anyone listening, you actually want to break systems and you actually want to grow into what you're becoming and you want to grow into the path. But to Tim's point of if you don't want to grow a big business, then that's fine, but you do have to be very honest about it because plans and structures and leadership, it all comes with building a scalable business, building a bigger business. And if you don't want that, what will happen is when you get to this point where you're unpicking hybrids and you're moving to the next phase, you'll start to sabotage and you'll start to find reasons not to do it. You'll start to find reasons in other people other than yourself as to why this won't work. But it all comes back to the fact that you as a leader are not the right person. You as the leader who is giving the direction, who is leading the army, you have to be willing to take the bumps without reaction because that's the plan. And quite often it's where you know, Tim's wheeled in for the big problems, doesn't do all of the technical hands-on, is wheeled in for the bigger problems because he's the leader because he knows the five-year plan where other people might not, nor should they, because that's not part of their remit or their scope. Well, let's clarify that because when Lana's saying no one understands the plan, it's the plan of the whole organisation that things don't concern them. But people who are working for you, leading them, they better know Not what the plan. the plan is and also what we're aiming at because that's poor leadership if nobody actually knows the direction we're heading. So when we're talking about a greater plan, it is all the elements that come together in a larger group. The people you're talking about, Lana, it's more about what is our immediate goal and what does success look like for me in my role in this team, in this company because everyone needs to know that. Now, when you're running hybrids as we were talking about, that becomes very muddy because people are doing so much of everything that you actually don't know what success looks like because when you win, who's contributed to that? When you lose, who's not delivered what they need to? And that's the problem with hybrids. It's not knowing. And when you start to get bigger, you have to know where the opportunities and problems lie in your company quickly. That's why hybrid roles become less and less valued because they're more difficult to manage. And on that, that transition from moving from the hybrid where the leader is celebrating the fact that, hey, you pitched in and did the website, you're out there doing sales, you actually helped this outside of your area. That's celebrated for a period. It can be without the right communication as you move into those specialty areas. It can be disconcerting for those people that are going because all the things that they used to do starts getting taken away and they go, well, wait a second, where is my actual value? And how do we get them along the path to celebrating? You did this one thing really well. Yeah. It's a long journey as someone that has been through it. Yeah. It's, I mean, Lana, we've, this is probably the bit we not struggle with, but it's for all of us who own businesses, the hardest bit. People you care for because they've helped you during that startup phase, which is everyone was all hands on deck. They've bought in. And a lot of the time, though, when we walk into companies and look at this, we actually look at it and go, well, the reason you were all doing everything is because nobody knew what needed to actually happen. So everyone was trying to add value in their own way, but everyone was operating at a sub-performance, which is here's a specialist in that role. This is what they would do. This is what you delivered. I mean, a classic one is the receptionist doing the graphic design. Oh, but they're a warm body on a seat. So we got them to do the e-newsletters or we got them to do the social media posts or whatever it is and go, yeah, that's fine, but it's not good. So as soon as you take that off them, they're like, what happened? And go, that's not what you're being employed for. But the intention was such a positive one to help out. And this is the issue. It's where hurt feelings occur. And this is the skill of a leader. How do you help as many people who fit the next stage of transition to fit? But the problem is this. What happens if they don't fit? And what do you do if you own the company and the people that have been loyal, loving, supportive to you are now the roadblocks of tomorrow? And this is where the difficulty lies for most people. And it sounds horrible, but this is where you need to decide what is my role as the leader? And Lana, we speak about this a lot. Is my role to run a company where everyone's friends or is my role to deliver what I promise to the shareholders? I always find this quite an interesting one because if you take it away from business and you look at a sport team, people are kicked off teams every single year because they didn't perform and lovers of the team often agree with it. Even if they like the player, they might be a little bit miffed, but they're still there for the team. In business, it seems as really heartless almost if you cut a player, <laughs> yeah. but it's for the greater good. 
It's yeah, for the greater good of the individual. A person or, the or a product it doesn't necessarily need to be a person, does it? Yeah. Sometimes you cut a product that everyone loves Off because it no longer fits. Yeah. But it comes back to you're here as a leader to implement the five year plan, the 10 year plan, whatever it is, you're leading that army. And within that, you make the decisions that are going to get you to that end goal much faster. And if we go back to, you know, we started your first employee who you could afford, you built the structures. The really next step and probably final step that you need to get before you can do that really big growth is that clarity of action. Can whoever do the job? If it's a product, can they sell? If it's a person, can they execute? Can they hit KPIs? And once you've got that clarity of action, that's when everyone gets to do their job. That's when hybrids are unpicked. That's when individuals know when they sit. And that's when a leader can actually see the chessboard and say, yep, here's our plan. And you can tweak and you can change and you get the business to where it needs to go. But if you haven't got that plan, even if it's a growth by mistake, eventually you won't have that plan. Mm -hmm. That's when a leader can really do that job because they make those decisions that no one else can make. And they make those decisions, as I said, with that full chessboard in play, knowing that one tiny move actually changes everything. And from my opinion, this is what a lot of people miss, is it's those tiny moves that make all the difference. And that, well, what's your saying, Tim? Chestnut checkers? Uh, definitely not my saying. But I, <laughs> I use it a lot. Yes, it's um, yeah, playing chestnut checks. It's not a simple game, even though the moves are very simple. Yeah. Can I just bring up on something you've said there? Because this is the important part, which is if you were invested in your business, so say you weren't the owner, you're an investor or you're a shareholder and you were sitting with the CEO right now, and you ask them, this is our five-year plan. How are you delivering it? And you said, oh, actually, we're lacking in this area, but I really like Bobby. Bobby's nice. He's been here for years. I know he's not performing to what we need, but he's a nice guy. Would you be happy as the person who put the money and taking all the risk in that company? How would you deal with the CEO? What Lana said before is absolutely right. You actually have to decide what your outcome is, and you have to decide do I really want to get to that point in my business? If you're happy running your business the way it is and sort of organic growth and we'll see how we go, all power to you. There's nothing wrong with that. I just would not want to live my life like that, which is unplanned or unfocused, right? But it's still okay. People have been very successful just allowing it to happen. But when we're talking about here, we're talking about high performance habits, which is deliberately trying to get to a result, execute well perform well, evaluating things. And I don't think if you're taking that mindset that you can actually sit there and allow anyone to not perform in a role in which they're employed for. And that includes not setting them up for fail because they have no idea what good performance looks like. And the flip side of this, and again, it comes back to what the outside sees, is young Bobby who's not performing, might actually be performing in a different way that is not seen by certain people that Bobby plays a different role. And this is where bringing people along for that journey as to what is the goal and what are we doing, that's why that's so important because it is that end goal to say that Bobby is involved in that he or she adds so much value to. So this is why this plan of leadership is so very important because as a leader, you're going to make decisions that people disagree with or that people don't understand. And you can't do that unless you have got that knowledge of here are where all the pieces are going to fall and here's where we're all going to come into play when all the key points drop. And something that um, you were actually discussing with Nick Hewlett during your interview, the general manager of media for the T20 World Cup, Mm -hmm. he's worked in high-performance teams his entire time. Sometimes he'd hire someone that their skill set didn't come up on paper but when they found it came up later on because they had the plan of where they were going, that skill set that they weren't necessarily hired for became of more value and they pushed towards that in the future role. Yeah, and I think that's those odd times when someone comes in for a position or to do a role and they have more skill or something that's identified and they're those great times where you're like, wow, that's the perfect person to be accelerated in our environment, in our company. They could do this faster and that's one of those good things. I think the problem with other companies that don't have the resources or the focus to do that is what they're always allowing is people to sort of perform in a role and they're wondering why everything always feels difficult or why we haven't grown for years or why is there always problems. Because Let's talk about what does a great team give you? 
And a great team gives you protection. As the CEO, as the founder, as the, as the owner, a great team starts to remove a lot of the problems that used to hit your desk. problem with this is you're only getting the, as Lana said before, you get wheeled in for the big problems that no one else can solve in your business. But it's still the right thing to happen in your company, which is others being able to take things off your plate so you can keep growing the company in a strategic way. There's nothing better than hearing about a problem once it's been solved as a, as a leader because everything's working. Everything is doing what it should be. Problems arise in business every day. It doesn't matter how good you are. That's what a business does. Well, solves problems. Yeah. <laughs> a, a business is solving problems for someone and the byproduct of that is being remunerated. Yeah. yeah. And so when a problem occurs and you hear about it from the team after it's been solved, it is a proudful moment because you do see that you have got the right people in the right place doing the right jobs and the world didn't end. And for a smaller business, that is a really hard thing. And it is probably the second or third step is building that trust with the people around you that it will be okay and being able to actually let go so that you can do your job. You can be wheeled in for the bigger problems, but you can't do that if you're still in that technical detail every single day. Yeah. And it also is a great way to evaluate your team because you can see who can't deal with the type of problem. So equally to that is what gets let through from where in your company. So if you're constantly finding yourself doing or solving issues that you feel you shouldn't have to deal with in your business now from the team you've put around, well, that's a good indicator where you've got a challenge in your business. That's a good indicator of where you need to put energy because your job is to not have those problems. And that means having someone who can deal with them, having someone who can protect you from things that should be able to be solved by the role you've employed for in that position. But don't get me wrong, it's not just about problems. It's also people driving areas of the business without needing you. So for me, I mean, particularly we're talking about growth and sales a lot in our podcast because imagine having someone in your business that is growing it without you contributing. And most SMEs haven't had that feeling. Somebody who comes into your organization and actually grows it for you while you're focusing on different things doesn't need you for growth. And most people go, oh, that's just hiring a BDM. It's not that at all. It is putting together an infrastructure and a team that can innovate, that can grow, that can understand what we're trying to achieve in the organization and execute without you having to be there. And that's the beginning of growing an organization that will continue to grow without your constant energy into it. And this is where most SMEs have never even thought about, why am I always involved in every part of growth? And you wonder why it's difficult, because it's exhausting. There's nothing better than a manager who steps in and does that, or an employee who steps up and says, I've got this, and they run with it. A lot of times they can be scared. They can think, I'm not allowed to do this. But ask the question or as a business owner, give them the opportunity to step up. And if you've got the space that they can actually do it, and you'll know this if you've got the systems and the processes, this is how you grow a business. We can say it in many different ways, but the right people in the right places doing the right jobs. And that means taking things like growth and doing it without waiting for someone, without a meeting, without getting someone else to write a document. It's really simple, small things that relieve business owners because they know that they've got the right team around them. Yeah. And this is where the art form comes in, doesn't it? Which is, so how are you curating that environment or that culture for those people to perform? So if you're someone who, I'm a great leader because everyone lives in fear in my organization, they either do their job or they're out. How long do you think that's going to last? I've met a lot of business owners that would consider themselves pseudo successful and they rule by fear and high performance in their mind is essentially abuse because it's do this or get out. So everyone's scared and then they wonder why they're constantly shocked when people leave. The only people that stay in an abusive environment have got their own stuff they've got to deal with because great people who know their self-worth won't stay in an environment where they feel abused. And I'm talking about abuse, which is inconsistency in leadership, surprises from the leadership in the wrong way, not being able to control emotions when things get stressful in, in an environment, all the things that are attributes of a strong leader. And this is where we see it all the time, which is SMEs not understanding how to be a good leader 
So they're so inconsistent with their behavior. Like they have a good weekend, they're happy on Monday. They have a bad weekend, they're sad on Monday. You don't have a right to be happy or sad on Monday if you're running an organization. You're the leader. You need to be consistent. You need to be exactly what your company needs to get it to the next level. Most people don't really understand that responsibility, do they, Lana? The inconsistency around what do you have to be and why do you still feel you have a right to behave like a child if you're running an organization? It's a really big one because with Nigel, I mean, we see it all the time. People don't understand what leadership is from the most fundamental thing, which is how are you behaving daily consistently? I know that you hate when I bring comic books into it, but it comes back to that old Spider-Man saying, with great power comes great responsibility. If you can't control your emotional response to things in the environment where you're supposed to be the one at the head, then how can you hold anyone else accountable to how they react? If they react poorly to something, then you're having two different measuring sticks. And a lot of people do use it as leaders. They go, I'm the boss. I get to act however I want because it's mine. It doesn't set a good example or a good roadmap for anyone working for you. Absolutely, particularly in SMEs. Um, and by the way, I've got nothing against comic books apart from them uh, being fiction. Um, <laughs> um, but the principles Fiction's never taught us anything. Yeah, but the principles of fables and these things are, are absolutely right because they come from a point of view of what does good performance look like. Lana, we have that one. You know, we've had this a few times, which is great employee. Oh, I'm going to say shit person, but it's like you can't say that. But it's even a great performer doesn't mean it's the right person in your organization if you care about what culturally you're curating as a leader. So even the most talented people might not fit what you're trying to build. And that's also your job is just because you are in top performance doesn't mean that's the right person. And there's a very fine line here because it doesn't mean that some people aren't difficult to manage. That doesn't mean they're not doing their job. It is who are the people that are conducive to great teams. And we see it with pro athletes and pro teams, great players, bad chemistry, bad result. And this is that art form, isn't it, Lana? Is understanding not only what does the team need from a technical delivery point of view, but what does it need from a cultural point of view? What energy does the team need to work better together? You can talk about culture being set from the top, which absolutely fundamentally agree with. And it starts with who you hire in the first round of hires in a business. And then what should happen is that the culture grows at employee level. You start to see that the same attributes start to come together because the people who have hired have hired, as I always say, not for the person you can go out and have a drink with or have a lunch with. You've hired for the person who performs the same way. So the person who, when there's a problem, solves it without drama. A person who always goes above and beyond. Whatever that cultural idea is, if everyone is of the same level, when there's a problem, we fix it without a drama. They're the people that you want to hang out with. They're the people you want to have a drink with. And what I think it was a bit of a myth of the sort of Silicon Valley stage was a higher culture, which are people who you want to have beers with. And that's where culture falls apart. Because if you don't have that performance level in a company where you all not think the same, but all have that level of this is how we behave and this is what high performance is, everything else comes together. And it, it can be the kiss of death for a business, as you're talking about, is if you don't have that chemistry, you're not going to end up winning. So how can you build that based on like, I guess, attributes? interesting element of building a smaller company and going through the stages from getting smaller to bigger. You just jog my memory of where we screwed it up royally, which was we were very open in one of our companies around people contributing to the values. So we would look at our values every six months and go through them and go through a big exercise and making sure the values still fit in a growing company. And that was a big mistake. And this is something we did very poorly. We allowed people to contribute to the values that are unproven in our business, in our teams, in our systems. They haven't been there long enough to get the right to contribute to values. And I know this is going to probably sound pretty harsh, but from that experience, I'm completely flipped to the other side, which is no one gets to contribute to values 
until they're part of the organization and proven because you start to get everyone who's not bought into what we're trying to do giving their two cents and frankly couldn't care less until you've performed in what we're trying to achieve and this is where a lot of SMEs get it wrong. They're trying to be very much democratic in terms of values, everyone buying in. Go, no, no, no. You need to buy in to what we're trying to achieve from the people who've already paved this pathway with blood, sweat, and tears. Once you're a proven team member, you get to contribute and add to it. That's a thing that you're invited to because we value the way you are and we want more of who you are into the value. So we take that on. We did this really poorly because what we used to find is the more people we added, they were here for six months, they'd working and then they might get another job. I'm like, why have we allowed them to contribute to our values? They're not part of what we're trying to create. And that's at a time when the company needed a leader and we yeah. were trying to be, I guess, leadership by everyone. Democracy. Not even democracy, literally everyone, yeah. regardless. New age business. Yeah. Everyone gets to <laughs> contribute to the CEO role. And it, it was a great learning because it... It got us values that then... It was a screw-up. <laughs> it was a lesson. Not the company. I'm just talking with the style. Yeah. Um, it's, it's how you can feel as a leader. And you mentioned this idea of being feared in the workplace. Fear never works. Fear people will be leaving. But it's this idea of what we should have done is actually said, hey, here are the values that we are going with and brought in the leadership team and said, is this aligned to what we're doing and made sure. But they're needed a leader because what that does is it instills respect. Here is what we are doing. Here's the decision I have made. We can discuss it. And if there's another path, then we will look at that. But it's that respect that comes with decision-making. Yeah, this is important because it's part of the growth in your business, which is most of us listening feel like we're probably good people. But what you have to realize in a company is, not all opinions are weighted equally and everybody has an idea. So the more you ask for it, the more you'll get. And you have to start to really filter where you're listening to things in your organization. It doesn't mean that someone who's a week into their role or an intern won't have the idea of a lifetime. And as an art form of your leadership, you want to find a way to gather these ideas and and make sure you don't lose great innovation. But you can't listen to everyone because not everyone should be privy to all the factors that you're considering when making a decision, why we're heading in that direction, why we're doing this. That should be around your trusted advisors based on the experiences you've had up to this point and where you want to take the company. Because most people who are in there might not even, who are new to the company, might not have any idea what you're trying to achieve. They're looking at their role and where it could be better. You know, you get this all the time, which is employers going, oh my God, the owner's just so dumb. They should be making these decisions like the owner hasn't considered that. You think you know everything that's happening in a company because you're looking at one tiny part of the business. So what seemingly looks like a silly decision is made by people who have zero context of the actual bigger game. That's what we were talking about the other day is from the Book of Five Rings, trying to study the universe by looking at one planet. It's the same with people in businesses. They're looking at their role and using that as context for all the decision-making there. So they've got an opinion about which they should have, by the way, because you want people to be opinionated and want to get better. But it doesn't mean you should be listening to everyone as a leader. And that's where the strength of a leader and the conviction around knowing what we're trying to achieve. And in the interim, some of the things that will be taking a backward step because they don't have the energy, the resources, or a priority, so be it. Not everything can happen at once. That should all be part of the plan as well. That's the whole point going back to the start of you have a plan for growth and that doesn't mean always moving forward. Sometimes not making a decision is the hardest decision but it's actually the right one to not take action on something where you know it's not right or you don't have all the information or I don't know, there's a pandemic and it's not the right time. Actually having to push things back or make decisions to not make the decision then because you have got the view of the whole chessboard that can be seen as, as you just said, certain people will say, well, I wouldn't have done that. That's because you haven't got the full scope of the universe and the assumption that not making a decision is bad. Yeah, not making a decision is a decision, yeah. by the way. Everyone's heard that saying before, but you've decided that that's not a priority and that's okay. And the leader just puts the timeline on it and says, we yeah. will revisit this in a month. But it, yeah. it's something that I personally have seen quite a lot is judgment of a decision 
without the full scope of what it actually means. Yeah, and this is, I guess we're getting to conviction of your leadership, which is why we're talking about having a plan because you need to make sure that the plan still makes sense. So when you come up against resistance or you come up with what is a seemingly good idea that you stick to what you need to do to get to the next stage, sometimes that means going back as a business as in backwards in revenue, could be backwards in the perception of where we are in the market. It could be selling off part of your business. I was reading a great article on GE, just hearing about them getting rid of their bottom performing 10% of their companies. People love those companies in a big group, but they were getting rid of them because their mandate was if we're not number one or two in the industry, we don't want to be in that business. So even great performing companies were sold off. That meant losing people in G, that meant losing people who'd help grow those companies, but they did not hit the mandate for being number one or two in the industry that they were in, so they were out. That's brutal and brilliant. And why I love that, this idea that leadership has to grow and leadership has to change. So GE, 20 years before they made this decision, wouldn't have said if we're number one and number two, then we keep. If we're not, we sell off. They grew into it. They were able to say, this is what we're going to look at. Yes, this is the path. And we hope to get to this idea. But what they did was they were able to actually change with the growth and the culture of the company to say, we thought we would get here and now we're here. So now we make those decisions. Yeah. I mean, most of the people when you read a lot about them and Jack Welsh speaks about it, which is a lot of people thought they were in essentially the electrical business and they weren't. They were there traditionally. And then when they made the evolution, which was we're not in that business. We're in the business of growing companies in industries to the top two in each industry. It's a completely different business. And this was getting people on board and leading that charge, which is very difficult because the byproduct of this, and this is where it is a little sad. At stages, you're going to lose good people, great people, because they don't fit what needs to happen in the business, even though they're great. And that's difficult because it's still emotional. I know a lot we talk about behaviors here which are high performance. doesn't mean you don't feel for people, but it's difficult. Who wants to get rid of someone that's great but doesn't fit because they just don't fit? The only caveat I will put to that is, yes, it is sad. However, in my, we'll call it 10 years experience of business, never has parting ways between a business and the individual not been great for the individual. They all actually have come out the other side probably closer to where they wanted to be stronger. I believe it is how it's done. If we go back to you know the fear versus respect, if you walk in there and fire everyone, yeah, that's bad. But if there's the understanding of the culture, there's the understanding of the process, and you actually work with the individual like a human, and again, this is just my personal experience, there hasn't been one individual who hasn't gone on to wonderful things. They possibly would have missed out had they always stayed around with me. Yeah. And listen, humans adapt. And this is the issue is Lana's experience is good with that, as in she sees it like that. Because I personally made sure it was. Though. Yeah, That's- but let me put my hat on. Does it even matter? And this is the bit that that sounds brutal, but does it even matter what happens there? Because what is my job? My job is to deliver the vision. So if I see someone in the way of that vision or a product or a service or an idea, that's stopping us achieving, stepping forward or achieving it in the acceptable time, by the way, because sometimes things just take too long. And we're talking about SMEs here. You don't have the ability to spend years and years on a pipe dream. It's not slugging away and waiting for things to happen. You are the most under-resourced businesses in the world. So you have to make good decisions and get results quickly in innovation type stuff at a certain point, by the way. So if you can see where you're heading as the leader of the organization and you're not getting there and you can see the things in the way of getting there, why haven't you removed them yet? Why haven't you changed them? Why haven't you fixed them? Because that's the role. Lana's very nice because she's helped people through that transition when they weren't right. But if we're really talking about delivering on what your role is, that's you as the owner and as the CEO, you must make those decisions quickly. That's your job. If not, you have to question whether you're in the way. 
which sometimes happens, by the way. That's the beauty of being an owner. You can still sack yourself but still be the owner. If you can find someone better that can deliver that quicker or can get there with least amount of risk, well, why wouldn't you bring that person in? And I love that idea that leadership is making the decisions. And you'll be surprised how many people don't want to make decisions. It's quite shocking. You have to make the decision. You have to make the decision that is right for the business to get to where it needs to go. And if you can't do it, find someone who will and they become the leader, the CEO, whatever you want to call it. Leadership's not always a title either. Leadership can come from within a team. Leadership can come from the reception desk. It's not always the CEO in a bigger company. You can find great leaders within teams and they're the people that you want to bring up. They're the people we were talking about who take something and just grow it. They're the people you will never let go. Yeah, or just do their job so competently and diligently and that's brilliant. You need people in your business that just deliver. This is the job, doesn't matter what the job, it's like having a great cleaner. You come in, it's always clean, they execute it consistently, they're doing a great job. They don't need to be better, they don't need to be worse, they're just consistent. That is great. Not everyone needs to evolve the role. It's actually a bigger pain, by the way, (laughs) um, when you have everyone thinking they're an entrepreneur, you know, spending more time on pipe dreams than actual delivery of what they need to do or people who can't perform in their role and are always finding other ways to add value because they actually can't do what they're there to do. And there's this whole range of people that you have to watch out for. And this is the hard bit in a business, which is being able to call that when you're in a smaller business because it's all personal. You know everyone probably in your business when you're under 30 employees. So being able to lead in a way that gives them the ability to be successful, but also identifying when they're not and what you can do about it. Can I ask, a lot of what you say on this is about making the tough decisions for the good of the business and good of the plan. I know a lot of people, and you said it before, if you've gotten this far into this podcast, odds are you think you're a pretty good person. You as a person are one of the most caring people that I know. You care deeply for people, the way that you treat your family, your friends, and how far you go for them. And I know a lot of people would be struggling with that in their personal life and then coming over and having to make those tough decisions. How have you personally managed to bring those two features together or those two disparate almost parts together? I think personally for me it was recalibrating that they're not tough decisions. They're decisions for the betterment of everyone. And so – what we're trying to do here is grow an organization to do this. That's actually the fun in this project, which is we're trying to build a business together that can do this. It's not here to bide the time of our lives. I'm not here just to knock off a few days until we can slowly seep into retirement. We're trying to build something that's fun. We're trying to challenge ourselves. So why would I ever disrespect someone who's I would think is not doing the job they need to do yet I still allow them to be in a role that I'll be frustrated. They'll be frustrated because it's not good. So most leaders who don't make decisions, it probably crosses over into their personal lives. They're not making decisions in their personal life. And this is the thing, right? It's the person. You just happen to be playing the leadership role. But you never want to disrespect anyone the way that I hope that people wouldn't disrespect me by being totally transparent and honest about what I need. And if that's unreasonable, that's okay. That's the decision for both people, but it's not personal. And this is the problem is most people are trying to be friendly and they're trying to make excuses for why things aren't working without delving into the problem, identifying a constraint and going deep into it. We see it all the time, which is, why haven't you had a conversation there? Oh, it's okay. It'll pass. No, it's a cancer that'll grow. You have to delve into that as the leader. You have to respect that person by letting them understand how you feel. It's constant. That's why sometimes it's exhausting while you're learning to be a better leader because you actually have to do the things that are difficult. A lot of the time it's awkward. And it comes back to the idea of it's lonely at the top. It really is because you make the decisions, you see the chessboard, You've got the vision and no matter who you share it with, it's almost like a relationship. No one knows the relationship beyond the people in it, no matter how much you tell anyone. It's the same with the business owner or the leader of the business and the plan. You can tell everyone everything about it, but they still won't have that innate understanding that you have because of the role that you sit in above everything. So it's your job to make sure that everyone 
can move forward. And they also don't have the weight of the risk of the decisions because you can tell me intellectually we're going to go here, 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 and it's going to cost this, this, and this. If it's not my next mortgage on the line, if it's not my credit card, it doesn't carry the weight that I can then go, oh, we should just try this. Totally. And this is the thing. If you are an owner and a leader, you should not feel guilty about when the rewards come because most people don't understand the actual risks. Most employees have no idea about the actual risks because they don't realize it was years and years of potential ruin. And it can be. We've gone through it, by the way. We've had times where you go from you know zero to hero over and over and again. It's very difficult. So there shouldn't be any guilt there. But the thing, I guess, where I've found some solace in terms of how to evolve as a leader, and that is distancing yourself or creating a gap between ownership and leadership. So when I'm a leader, it's got nothing to do with my ownership of the company. I lead because of the role I'm playing in the company. If I'm an owner and I have leaders in, then I don't need to be interfering there. I trust the people I've got in that position. But most of us who are playing still the senior person in the business, still operationally involved, still sub 20, 30 people, you're still heavily involved, then it doesn't matter you're the owner. You're playing the role as the CEO, which is delivery on the plan. And you have to make decisions based on delivery of the plan. Or if you struggle with that, at that point in time, you're not backable. And what do we want to do? We want to turn into the people that we can run our organizations, allow people to perform well, give them the environment where they can get the most out of themselves, enjoy themselves, and build the business that you want to build. And that is the key to owning the leadership position in their business and being the one lucky enough to get to play that role. Nigel, Lana, always good to chat. Look forward to doing it again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.